0: Well, hello again, Philosoraptors. Uh, this is uh, another edition of Andrew's Philosocast. um so, just the goal at the moment, whilst we're all uh, locked down and otherwise engaged, the idea is that I'm going to try and rattle through quite a lot of um, a lot of philosophical arguments. Um, again, aimed towards the OCR course for the A level. But if anybody's interested, it's it's something that that's quite accessible to everybody. Um, I'm going to go back and do the criticisms of the teleological argument uh, in in a little while, but first I just thought we'd uh, would move on, and we're going to do something that that, that I personally personally enjoy the, the the argument that I find um, the most convincing for the existence of God. Uh, today we are going to talk about the ontological argument, which is um, which is a really really interesting one. Uh, I'm going to do this one because I find it. I think students struggle with this one um, in Year Twelve particularly. But I do find that when you come back and do this argument again, so maybe it's year 13 students, after you've looked at religious language, the topic of religious language, I do find that this becomes a little bit more interesting, a little bit easier, and a little bit more compelling. A little bit more compelling. I'm a big big fan of this, even though it's probably not right. Um, so we're going to do the ontological argument today. So the ontological argument, it, there's, there's many forms of it, but it's very, very different from anything you might have come across before. I think it's the first sort of um the first sort of philosophy that you come across in terms of reading that perhaps you haven't thought of yourself. Um unlike say the teleological argument, the cosmological argument, um problem of evil, uh in terms of in terms of God not existing. I think a lot of people think about them. But ontology is a, a totally different beast. Right, first up not Aristotelian in nature, not a posteriori argument. This is a, a priori argument, a priori. In terms of within the boundaries of itself, it makes sense. Uh, so some people say it's a deductive and inductive argument. So the ontological argument, um, many, many philosophers have, have talked about something like that. But I'm going to start with with Anselm. love Anselm, by the way. I think he's a really, really interesting guy. Now, Anselm comes up with um, what's referred to now as the ontological argument. Uh, in his, his prayer... Which is a—it's a really, really big prayer, a big prayer um, called the Proslogion. Now, this um, there's many parts to the Proslogion. It's it's rather inaccessible to read. Don't read it. It's 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 a huge it's this. It's often called a book because it's it's a prayer that's so vast. It's written in some great big grimoire. Anyway, um, the ontological argument. Runs as follows. Um, there's only one thing, one one aspect that you've got to uh, you've got to accept before we go into that, and that is the things that exist in reality are superior to things that exist within the mind. Now, what Anselm does is he then seeks to define God, to define God, and he defines God as that that which a greater being cannot be. And Anselm then says that if you accept that as a definition of God, we'll we'll, we'll skip all of the the sort of stuff on on God being this omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent, omnipresent, eternal, transcendent being. He says, let's simplify this. When I'm talking about God, Anselm says, and when believers talk about God, um, God is that which a greater being cannot be. And Anselm then comes to this conclusion that if things that exist in reality are better than things that exist in the mind and you accept that definition of god then you must accept that god exists because if you're thinking of the greatest thing and that thing then exists in your mind then god is the greatest being therefore he must exist now i think it's an important important point just to sort of interrupt at this moment and say that it and some like a great many other philosophers is writing for a faith based audience, so it is is Querens' intellect and it is faith seeking so understanding. But that moment there's a is a is a is a big moment. If God, if the word God equates to that meaning, therefore God must exist. Now I think the clever bit that Anselm does at this point is he kind of uh, understands a criticism that's coming his way, and, and it's sometimes known as Gaunilo's objection. Now, Gaunilo was an Italian monk, a, uh, sort of uh, a colleague, if you'd have, of, of Anselm. And Gaunilo says, well, well, that argument doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm thinking of a perfect desert island. It's in my head there. Things that exist in reality are better than things that exist in the head. Therefore, a perfect desert island must exist. No, 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 no Anselm. No, no, come on, that doesn't make sense. Anselm does respond to this. And he says, you're missing the point, Gownie There can only be one, that which is greater cannot be. So God is a special case. God is the, is the one thing that must exist. Now, a lot of you at this moment are think, eh, what's, what's Mr. Taylor banging on about that? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. I don't like that version of the ontological argument. I do think that Norman Malcolm's recently rediscovered version of the ontological argument is a little bit simpler it's a little bit simpler so what happens is Norman Malcolm is rereading the Prislogan poor soul that he is I bet that was great fun and he comes across uh, another version of the ontological argument which is found in I think it's chapter three of the prislogion, where again Ansel makes, look, makes use of, of language with here, and he comes up with an almost sort of double negative, a uh, definition-based argument. He says, God is that which cannot not exist. So that's his definition of God. So all you atheists out there, if you're thinking about God, and you think that God doesn't exist, you're not thinking about God. You're thinking of your understanding of God. The word God means that which is uh, God, God cannot not exist so if you think about god you're failing to think about god if you think about god not existing you're failing to think about god rather now that's quite clever it is quite clever um and there's many of the philosophers who've who sort of run with this one would be would be Rene descartes now Rene descartes writes about this in meditations descartes is is a real i mean i love descartes he's a a guy that we'll talk about at, at great length later on um he says, oh, I, I love the argument, thats the ontological the argument, but I don't think Descartes that much of a fan of the sort of verbose, wordy, and unwieldy definitions of God that Anselm uses. And Descartes simplifies it somewhat, and he says, he says, God is a, let's forget about this, about God being omnipotent, omniscient, To forget about him being that which is a greater being cannot be, let's think about, him. forget about him not being, God cannot not exist. He says, God is a supreme and perfect being. He's supreme and perfect. And Descartes runs with this and he says, A predicate or a characteristic of supremacy and perfection is existence. Ergo, God exists. Um, lots to think about. Um, I'm going to give you a little quote at the end. Father Gareth Moore says, Within a religious community, God really, really exists. Just to have a little think there. I'll do the criticisms of the ontological argument very, very shortly. Um, let this one percolate in you a little bit. I'm a big fan of the ontological argument. Big fan. Anyway, um, stay safe, Say well. Um, I'll speak to you soon.